This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will open your word to us. And Lord, help us. Help us, O God, to bear the image that we were created in. And you have told us that one day, as we talk of your glory, we will also share in your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Does anyone in here have the gift of leaning on wet paint. You get something done. You finish it. It looks perfect. And the next thing you know, some person walks up and goes, how are you? And it's messed up. Or you pour concrete, as we were doing down at our South Campus uh, yesterday and today. You pour concrete and somebody lets their dog run right across it. And forever, I didn't say that happened down there, I'm just using an illustration. I better not have happened down there, my goodness, but uh, uh, straight across it. And forever you got a print left in that foundation. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about the things that have imprinted your life. The things that have marked what seemed perfect. You finally get everything together and everything looks great and all of a sudden somebody comes up and leaves their mark upon your life. Some marks that are left on our life we'll ever be grateful for because we can cherish those relationships. We can cherish what's been sown into our lives. And other marks, we pray that we will never be marked that way ever again. So I want you to think about the images that have impacted our lives for just a moment. And I want to talk to you about the image that will change you. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I've come to tell you tonight. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9, we find one of the most significant uh, passages to your faith. It reads like this. Pray like this. Help me here. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth, notice this, as it is in heaven. So what are we praying? Lord, let heaven invade earth. Mark the earth with the glory of the heavenlies. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins, help me, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then we can always put that line on there, the end that other versions use, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, guys, this prayer is more than a prayer. This is really a mission. It's a vision for the image of our lives. It's the ability, the desire to see heaven marking everything we do. 
You see, when we bless those who curse us, guess what? The image of heaven invades earth. When we care for the poor and the widow or the little girls or those that no one else has been able to help or can turn to, heaven invades earth. When we actually exercise our faith, our hope, and our love, and we act justly and love mercifully and walk humbly, guess what? Heaven invades earth with its image. And when we start talking about the image of God, a lot of people have a lot of different images. Some of you are afraid of what it would mark you like. But I thought an interesting quote that I found was significant. A quote by A.W. Tozer. It says this. He said, whatever comes to mind when you think about God, Think about this real carefully. Listen. He said, whatever comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. When you start thinking about who God is and the image of God, it really is the most important thing about you. Why? Because we have to understand that our theology will shape our identity. This is so important. Our theology, what we believe about God, is going to shape who we are in so many ways. It's going to help us process. It's going to help us deal with things. It's going to cause us to come into place as that we might normally not come into. But why? Because if we really have the right image about God and the right theology about God, we want to see heaven and the image of heaven invading earth, and it's going to cause us to shift who we are into that image. Let me explain that to you more. You see, many of the issues we struggle with are actually issues about how we view God wrongly. But you see, a guilt issue is a misunderstanding of God's grace. If you're struggling with constant just just bombardment of guilt for why everything is wrong in your life. Now listen, I'm trying to give you something tonight. I can see some of you going, okay, Pastor Don, put a little gas on that fire and preach for us the way you always do. But I, I feel that you need me to say this in such a way that you can get this. That the image of God wants to so invade your life that it's like you begin to walk in the image of who God's called you to be from heavenly places as heaven literally becomes part of earth, as God begins to change who we are. And one of the ways that you struggle and you allow guilt to change the image of who you've been created to be is because you don't understand God's grace. If you had the right theology about understanding God's grace, you would understand that in the grace of God, there is no room left for the guilt of and condemnation of sin because in Him there is therefore now no condemnation. Listen to me carefully. You see, when we, when we misunderstand who God is, we understand that control issues are a misinterpretation of God's sovereignty. When you're trying to control everything in your life, the truth is you don't believe that God's really working for your good. Or you don't believe that God can work for your good. And when you have control issues, you're going contrary to inviting heaven into earth because you're trying to create your image of heaven. How many of you are ever so thankful that God didn't give you what you were asking for? Oh my goodness. 
I don't know. Some, some of you are probably thinking about past relationships that you were like, God, please, that's the one. And, and when you got to know him, you're like, oh, God, thank you for letting them not be the one in Jesus' name. But there are many times you thought, I want to buy that. Lord, please give me that. And you feel like God let you down because you couldn't afford that house. Then your job changes. And you realize that God in his sovereignty was working for your good. I don't know why this story is coming to my mind, but, but I'll never forget this moment. It, it, we're, it, we're in our home, and we get this, this check in the mail, and, and it wasn't just anonymous. It was from the a rebate from where we had to like pay down when we you know, got, first got married and got into a house, and, and it was a pretty significant rebate check. And I mean, it was like 25 years ago, and it was like $1,000. And, and when you're making like 1600 bucks a month, $1,000 rebate check, can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, glory. And Christina's like, where are we going? And I'm like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And then in the middle of the night, I just got a sick feeling about where we were going. And I had to look at my little wife and say, honey, I think we need to hold on to that. And she looked at me and said, excuse me? I said, I think we need to hold on to that. I said, I feel like God's saying to hold on. Will you at least give me just a little bit more time? Let's just, let's just hold on. And it probably wasn't about three or four days. We came home one day, and when you ever walk through the house and you go, what is that? And no, somebody said septic tank. No, it was not. I did not need Trinity septic tank services at that moment. Okay, but it is not. I, watch this, I realized that apparently the refrigerator had been out for a day or so. Uh, Yes, ooh, that is wrong. And guess what? We didn't have the money on our own right to buy a new refrigerator. But four days earlier, a thousand dollars had come in the mail. And you see, I wanted what we wanted it to become, but God knew exactly what we were going to need. And when you start praying, God, I want heaven to invade my life, and I want my life to begin to line it with who you are, you're going to have to understand something. Sometimes you've got to say, God, I don't even know what I'm feeling, but I'm going to wait until you give me clarity because God in his sovereignty is working for your good. Some of us, we end up in trouble that we fully have bought. Anger issues are a misjudgment of God's mercy. When you struggle with anger, you're not understanding God's mercy. Pride issues are a miscalculation of God's transcendence. That God... It's really doing something for you that you're not willing to, to surrender to. Listen to this. Fear issues are a missed appropriation of God's love. You think that God somehow doesn't love you enough to take care of your needs? Trust issues are a misapprehension of God's goodness. And it's all because we have the wrong concept of God. We've been operating in the wrong theology. We're operating in this almost, let me say this, what we used to call holiness theology, that if I'm good enough, maybe he'll bless me enough. Can I tell you, that is contrary to the word of the living God? 
For yet while you were still in your sins, he loved you enough to die on a cross for you. We have the wrong theology about God. That somehow I can manipulate God into doing what I want and making my life better. The reality is God's trying to change the image that I'm walking in into the image he created me for because when I get in the image he created me to walk in, when heaven comes to earth in... See, I, I pray it like this. this is, I, I should have said this earlier. I'm sorry. I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If you let God change your image... It changed everything. This is so important. Now, guys, we live in a challenging season. Can I get an amen? Everybody's trying to decide what your image is going to be. Constantly. Who are you voting for? What are you doing? I believe that we have civic duties to exercise our rights as citizens of this country. Can I get an amen? But I also believe that our civic duty starts with civility. If you can't operate from where you are in a way that is healthy, you're not in a good place. You're bearing an image of a wrong identity. I didn't say complacent. I said healthy. Are you walking with civility? Let me give you a definition of that. Civility is public grace in a public square. We have a civic duty as citizens of this country, and I believe as citizens of heaven to stand up for the rights of the unborn. But if you find your identity in a political party or a political issue, you're exactly who I'm talking to tonight. Because watch out, your your ideology has become your idolatry. And here's the, here's the real problem. Some of us get more fired up about our politics than we do about our biblical beliefs. I'm sure this is for another group that's watching online or, or listening somewhere else. I know what you're thinking, uh, you know, Pastor Don, how, how does that affect who I am? Well, it's because our theology should be shaping our identity not ads, and not who we agree with, because you'll end up looking like the people you hang out with. And it's so important that you are changing them instead of them shifting you, because heaven is inside of you. I think some of you are thinking that your identity is almost completely influenced and shaped by your family. But Scripture tells us over and over again, we are adopted. We have a new family. And when the Apostle Paul, he, he writes, uh, uh, he remember this is what he says. Uh, he says, look, the biblical truth you need to get, you need to understand. He says, first off, understand this. I'm a Roman citizen. He tells them, look, I'm a Roman citizen. And in ancient Rome, I think this, I'd never known this until I studied this this week. In ancient Rome, parents had the option of disowning their biological children. So I just felt like somebody needed to stop and think about that for just a moment. Parents had the option of saying, you're no longer my child. But interestingly enough, if they adopted a child, they could never disown the adopted child. Because the adoption was a privileged position. They, watch this now. They received a new name, they received a new identity, and their debts were canceled from their past. You're talking about a culture that the children still paid for the parents' debts. 
their debts are canceled, and their inheritance wasn't activated when their parents died. The inheritance was activated upon their adoption. What that means is the biological children had to wait until their parents passed to get their inheritance. The adopted children began to receive the inheritance immediately. And I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell me? Because what he's trying to show us over and over again is Paul says, look, you are adopted into the family of God is you might be image bearers of broken families and broken homes and broken struggles, but that has been canceled by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ when you were adopted into the family of God. And you don't have to wait until some heavenly location to begin to walk in the inheritance of who you are. That now in your, am I making sense to anybody? That now in your life, you you can begin to walk in the new identity and your debts have been canceled and you have the provision to become everything God intends for you to become. Why? Because this Roman citizen's mindset was trying to describe you are adopted. You are the chosen. You are the ones that have now stepped into a new position. You see, your children biologically would wait it out, but your children who were adopted needed to have an identity change and the identity change was found in who they had become by being adopted into the family. So stop thinking that we got to wait to heaven to stop looking like a bunch of losers because if we'll serve God now, we'll begin to bear the image of Christ now. And it begins because we walk into a godly inheritance. Amen. I'm trying to behave tonight. I feel this. You see, if God is our father, that makes all of us brothers and sisters. And if God has made us brothers and sisters, that should change the way we relate to one another. Now here's something I found very intriguing. When you study psychology, it tells us that you will become, listen to me carefully, you will become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Think about that. You will become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Why? Because identity is shaped by community. This is important. If we want the manifest glory of God to come down in this place, we have to be bearers of the glory of God, and we've got to encourage each other to become bearers of the glory of God. And you cannot do that in a disconnected form. We are one family. And it means when when you're not where you need to be, then I'm not where I need to be. And we've got to begin to encourage each other. And it's important. You go, Pastor, I don't really don't need anybody else. I've got God and I'm good. You know what? I'm trying to tell you, you're going to reflect more of God when you get around His children in community than, than you will on your own. Well, Pastor Don, what are you talking about here? I'm trying to tell you that your identity, your identity is more caught than taught. All right, am I making sense tonight? And when I came into this, I realized it was going to be more teaching than preaching, but I feel like you need this. All right, I want to take you over to another verse as as, as we're moving forward tonight. Here's a verse on identity I think you need. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. says this, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, The promised Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit, and I am stamped or marked by the image of God. 
This is important. To be sealed or stamped in Greek, it's a kind of a difficult word, okay? All right. Now, let me just show you what a wise man would say. A wise man would use this. This is how he would, this is how he would say this word. Are you ready for this? Pastor Rich, how do you say this word? One more time. Frasgizo. You know how I kind of said it? I just kind of thought Frasgecko. I saw the little green guy. You know what I'm saying? Frangizo. Frasgizo means that you're sealed or stamped. But it refers to when an ancient king would take a signet ring and use his finger and press it into hot wax. And by doing so, it would authenticate his ownership. This is important. It was proof of authenticity. And so what God is saying to us is this. Now watch this. I'm going to seal you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to seal you. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm going to seal you with my Holy Spirit. And not only are you sealed, but then you are, what was that word? Frasgizo. You are, watch this, you are marked with the image of God. Here's the problem. When you get saved, you get sealed. You're sealed until the day of redemption. Does the Bible not say that? The Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption. We like the sealing. We call that faith. Oh, thank God I can trust in Jesus for my salvation. But we don't like the sfrasgizo. We want to be settled in our faith, but we don't want our settling in our faith to change what we look like. Because as I begin to bear the image of God, it means that what I've been sealed into now has affected my life in such a way that when I'm angry, I don't respond the way I used to respond. That when I'm depressed, I don't need the things that used to drive me to, that now I realize that I'm sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I don't need what used to satisfy me. What I need is to become more of a reflection of the God who has marked me. And as I, and what did you see? I didn't even plan on doing that tonight with those offerings, but what you saw me do is when the enemy showed up to attack, I said, let's flip this around. Let's turn this around. Instead of becoming depressed, instead of becoming frustrated, I said, let's, let's become generous because our God is a generous God. And I said, okay, we're going to reflect the image of God in this place instead of getting like frustrated, instead of standing up here going, you know, I, I rebuke the devil, I rebuke the devil, I rebuke the devil. Instead, I said, all right, enemy, you want to show up? We're going to then step into who we are. See, we like the ceiling, but we don't want to have to change the way that we interact with other people. But if you really have been sealed and frasquizo in who you are in Christ, you are marked in such a way that it changes the way you speak to your boss. It changes the way you speak to your family. It changes the way you interact with your spouse. It changes the way you deal with your children. And it even, my goodness, changes the way you have to deal with your crazy neighbor. Why? Not that I have any crazy neighbors. But why? Because 
You have been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit who's working in you to change the image of who you are so that you're not waiting to heaven to look like what God's created you to be, but it's becoming the reality of who you are now in Christ Jesus. Am I making any sense tonight? Just give God a praise and I'll hurry up, all right? You see, I told you earlier that identity issues are theology issues. But let me flip that for a moment. I think that identity issues are also idolatry issues. You see, in the beginning, God created us in his image. And we have been trying to recreate God in our image ever since. Let me say that again. In the beginning, God created man in his image. But ever since, we've been trying to create God in our image. It's what you end up with is a God who walks and talks and looks and thinks and acts a whole lot like you. So instead of becoming the mirror image of God, God becomes the mirror image of us. And what we end up with is a God in the hands of angry people. Now, an idol is anything we value or trust or worship above and beyond God. And most idolatry issues, listen to what this pastor is telling you, are really identity issues. What you will serve more than you will serve God is because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're trying to outdo the negative comments of your parents. You're trying to prove everybody else wrong and yourself right. I'm not preaching truth tonight. And it becomes actual idolatry to you. So we've got to change that. So by learning to proclaim your true identity, it will help you overcome the lies of defeat and discouragement. I have to begin to realize that I wasn't created to be an angry person. I was created to be a healthy person. I was not created to be a person who curses. I was created to be a person who speaks grace over people. I was created to let heaven come to earth among. I was not created to try to manipulate a situation because we can be master manipulators if we want. But I was called to trust the sovereignty of God. And so, I've got to begin to declare who I really am. So who am I and who are you? I can tell you what I declare. This is what I declare. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. When's the last time I've, some of you declared that over yourself? That's the word. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Oh, hold on, let me, let me, let me say that again. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you begin to declare that over yourself, you begin to see yourself differently. Some of you have a hard time declaring it because you feel like you've nullified it by your actions because you're not an image bearer. But you are sealed. And the seal is working on you because what are you sealed by? The Holy Spirit. And He's working on you. You see, I was chosen before the world began. Because he was crucified for me from the foundations of the earth. I am blameless in the eyes of God. 
We are adopted not to have to wait to become his sons and daughters. I think that's the image we've had. He's chosen us, but we're waiting for the final judgment to know that we're his. No, 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 we are his, and the inheritance is ours now. I am the redeemed of the Lord because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The one I declare more than anything because of my inadequacy scream at me, I declare I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit and I am marked by the image of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close with this today. In Luke's Gospel, there's a story about a woman with the issue of blood. Her illness had become her identity. It's even how we know her today. The woman with the issue of blood. It's easy to let someone else's description of you or diagnosis of you identify who you are. It's so easy to let what's wrong with us define us. Well, I'm a this. You know, I'm, I'm an addict. No, you're not an addict. You were an addict. You are the righteousness of Christ. You have been redeemed. And you go, well, Pastor Don, you just don't know how long I've struggled with who I am. If you had any clue how many people on that side of the building used to be on this side of the building, you'd understand I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> That's why I, I deviated from my preaching style to this teaching itself. And I think this is so important. You see, this woman has sought all the help she could for 12 years. She spent every last dime. And somehow this, this, this crowd it has, has given. They've literally once moved, one pushed, one pulled. And she's ended up right there. And she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. What happens? What did Jesus ask? Anybody remember? Who touched me? you got to love that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist what I'm about to say. So the disciples begin to contact Trace. <laughs> All right, does that make sense? Their contract takes them back to, okay, who, who touched him? And as they're in the middle of a crowd, they try to figure out who did this. I mean, like, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Healing went out from me. And the woman comes forth. This is important. I think it's the only place where Jesus does this that I can think of other than raising the dead. He does it in one other place, but he specifically does it here. And he says to her, Daughter, daughter, because, watch this, she had encountered the grace of healing and he called her found her faithful and he said no longer woman with an issue of blood I call you adopted daughter 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 your faith has made you whole she has become the daughter of 
mighty God. I read a story not long ago that impacted my life. It was a story of Marianne Bird. She's from Brooklyn, New York, and the year was 1928. She was born way before the surgeries that advanced to where they are today, and she's born with a very severe cleft palate and not expected to live. She encounters the knife of the surgeon 17 times. After having 17 major reconstructive surgeries, she is not able to blow up a balloon. She cannot drink from a drinking fountain. And to make it worse, in a very mean culture, she is the blunt of, the, the blunt of almost every joke school now you'd think that's a horrible story to have to end with but the story takes a turn to make it worse not only does she have a cleft palate she is deaf in one ear now some of you may remember this I remember I don't know they may still do this but in school they used to take you uh, in, in my generation they would take you into a side area to the nurse's office and they'd put these little headphones on you and you'd listen to beep 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 anybody remember that? beep 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 well this is way before the headphones in the 30's and so what they would do is they would call the students to the desk of the teacher and the teacher would give a hearing test by whispering to the student if the student could not hear the whisper they had bad hearing she's deaf in one ear and many of the teachers had had zero grace upon her but Marianne Bird is called to her teacher's desk and at her teacher's desk this little wounded vessel is dreading the walk to the front of the room because she knows she'll be made fun of all the way back to her seat and they always speak into the wrong ear so she makes the walk and as she leans in toward the teacher for the whisper the teacher says turns her good ear toward the teacher. And here's what the teacher says. You ready for this? I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. Marianne Bird is shaken to her core. No one wants her Nobody loved her. But that teacher spoke a desire to adopt her. You thought I was off track when I was talking about all the Roman stuff earlier. But spoke a desire to adopt her. She found her identity in the one who wanted You will not find your identity in mere man wanting you. We found that to be a, a struggle that too many people in a, 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 a pit that they have fallen into. But when the King of Glory came,
came down and dwelt among us. And he said, turn all of the things that keep you from hearing away from me. Realize, you are my little girl. You are my little boy. And forever, you will be. We can hear an identity speaking truth. Because Marianne Bird would go to be someone that people would write about and celebrate her story almost a hundred years later now. Someone chose her. Someone loved her. God in all the beauty of heaven has showed you that you were chosen by sealing you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you will let Him speak to you about your adoption, you can begin to walk in the inheritance of who you are now. Would you stand with me? Maybe it didn't. Maybe I missed this. Maybe I brought you the wrong message. But I kind of like it when it all looks like we're going a thousand different directions and then it goes, boom, here we are. I have borne the image of this world too many times. But yet he keeps reminding me you with a price. I have sealed you in my spirit and he is changing you into my image. You bow your heads with me. Stop looking at who we are and all of our frailties and start looking at who you are in your glory. We would begin to hear the voice of the one who has chosen us. Lord, I thank you that every negative voice begins to fall, every curse is broken. Every addiction falls under the authority to the freedom granted by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we don't have to wait to be image bearers. But we can walk in the freedom now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. How many thankful? God who's chosen us now. Are you thankful? Is God good?
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.